You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates about Star Wars, The Mandalorian, The Clone Wars, future movies, and all the cool and exciting new projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-hosts, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? What's up, guys? Exciting times are ahead for us. (laughs) A little tease there, but excited to be talking with you, of course, with Star Wars and... Yeah, it was great. I mean, we could finish with the big stuff like we were talking about before it even came out with The Rise of Skywalker. It's going to be awesome. Could have a little break here, but then it just kicks up right all over again with the Clone Wars right around the corner. I mean, literally this week we're getting new Clone Wars, and sometimes that's still hard to believe. So, yeah, yeah. so a lot of fun stuff and exciting stuff to be excited about with Star Wars, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a lot to be excited about because we're all going to be hanging out here in literally a few days, and I cannot wait. We're all going to get we're all going to go to Galaxy's Edge. We're probably going to have a whole podcast dedicated to just just to that experience, I assume, guys. So yeah. Uh, well, the fact that and yeah, I don't think we've mentioned this on the podcast yet because we were still putting the plans together. But yeah. I mean, this has been in the cards for, I don't know, maybe a a couple months or so where we were thinking about this and trying to make it work that we could all go out there and hang out at the same time. And so we get that in place. And then we find out that, oh, this just happens to be the weekend that Clone Wars is coming back too. Um, And I was just telling you guys before we started recording, like I had already wanted to do obviously something special to, you know, commemorate the first episode of Clone Wars returning and try to like get together with some friends and watch it or something like that. And then I find out, oh, it's just going to happen to drop while I'm out at, at uh, Disneyland with Tim and Paul. So we'll all get to watch that together. So I'm sure next the week. will of the force. It's yeah, the force yeah. So next, <laughs> next week we'll have to do an episode where it'll be like a Galaxy's Edge recap and a Clone Wars premiere review. Yeah. And so th- there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, this, I mean, I, I was just telling the guys that i you know, it didn't really, it really hit me. We're going to be all going to Galaxy's Edge together and just experiencing Star Wars together um, until we were just started kind of making some loose plans, whatever. And I started getting really like giggly excited. Like literally I started like giggling when I went to go, go to use a restroom real fast. And I was like giggling on the way over, like, oh, I can't <laughs> you know, I'm just, oh my God, it's embarrassing, but I don't really care. But no, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. We're going to have some of my other best friends with me. It's going to be just a ridiculous time. And 
and you guys are obviously super good friends of mine and I can't wait to all hang out. Tim and I have already been to Disneyland together, which is funny. Tim, I think I've been to Disneyland now with you more than my own wife. So <laughs> it is really hilarious because I we went to Disneyland on our honeymoon and, you know, I count that as a one time. We went, I think we went like multiple days. Uh, no, we went one day. It was just, just one day. But yeah, we, um, I've gone twice now and I think I went with my family twice. So I think like, I think I've gone to Disneyland as many times with my family as with you pretty much <laughs> this week, which is hilarious. So, yeah, we have a great episode lined up, man. This is going to be pretty loose as what kind of Kyle and I were kind of talking about. But we've got some interesting things to talk about. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this one. Yeah, I mean, it, we it, this is kind of old news that we just haven't gotten around to talking about yet. But... Um, definitely some interesting stuff. I mean, we've been talking about for a while, we need to do an episode where we kind of revisit the rise of Skywalker. Now that we've had a couple months to sit on it and, and think about it some more and process everything. Um, but then, you know, maybe a month or so ago, all this stuff started coming out about, uh, the leaked script for Colin Trevorrow's version of episode nine called duel of the fates, which right off the bat, I was skeptical. I was like, first of all, why would you name a movie after a soundtrack from another movie? That doesn't make sense. And there were some details in the, like, first it was just a leaked, like, plot synopsis where somebody had gotten their hands on the script and was, like, reading it, and, you know, we didn't get to see the actual script. And so there was just a lot of stuff in there that I was like, this seems fishy. I don't know if this is even real. And to be honest, I wasn't really looking forward to talking about it on a podcast because I was like, we don't even know if this is legit. And a lot of people are going back and forth on, you know, oh, is this better than Rise of Skywalker? Some people thought it was. Other people are like, this is complete garbage. And I want to bag on Colin Trevorrow and talk about, you know, how terrible he is. And it's like, well, obviously he got fired and this didn't happen. So let's just move on. Like, I honestly didn't really care. Until... You know, we started getting more and more stuff that intrigued me more and more. We got some leaked concept art and then like another batch of leaked concept art that corroborated a lot of stuff that was in this leaked uh, script summary. Um, very professional looking art. So it was like, OK, obviously this looks real. Um, and then Colin Trevorrow himself basically confirmed it on Twitter because um, there's a part in the script where like R2 dies uh, or basically like gets shot in the middle of a battle and people were kind of assuming that R2-D2 is dead and, and uh, he commented something to the effect of like, oh yeah, he, I had him get shot in the battle, but like I would never kill off R2-D2. He, he basically was confirming that like that part of the script and that piece of concept art was like what he actually was working on. Oh, and he called it Duel of the Fates too. Um, so it was basically like, okay, this is confirmed now, but also like actually seeing that stuff visually in the art and, uh, knowing that it was, that it was legit. Um, but mostly to seeing some of those concepts brought to life, I actually was pretty intrigued by it. Um, and you know, I certainly wasn't jumping on the bandwagon of like, oh man, I wish we got this instead of Rise of Skywalker, but there were some intriguing things in there. Um, that I thought, well, I like this idea and that idea, and I like these visuals and stuff. And so I was like, okay, now I'm kind of more looking forward to talking about this, at least kind of analyzing like maybe what would have worked, what didn't work, et cetera. Cause there is also some really wonky stuff in there that I'm glad we didn't get. Um, and then the full script leaked. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should even mention this cause people are going to come, you know, come after us clamoring for it. Um, we, we may not even ever release this, but a couple weeks ago, 
me and Tim and Paul all got together on Skype with uh, my wife, Allison, and Tim and Paul's wife, Morgan. And the five of us sat around on Skype and did like basically a table read of the script, um, performing the different characters and stuff. And uh, man, that was a blast. It took a really long time and Allison and Morgan both ended up dipping out like halfway through. Um, but it was fun having them understandable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't blame them. And it was fun having them as part of it for the time that we did. Um, but it was, yeah. And it's kind of rough, you know, there's people switching characters halfway through and people getting up to take breaks and stuff, but it was so much fun and it was hilarious, but also like reading the full script and not just summaries or seeing concept art. I was like, man, this is rough, and I'm glad we didn't get this version of episode nine. Um, but I will say, you know, and again, I, I do like some of Colin's ideas. To start off with, I like the idea of Ray showing up at the beginning of the movie with a new double-bladed lightsaber that, she, that she's constructed from the pieces of the broken Skywalker saber combined with pieces from her staff. All right, one, sec, one second, one second, one second. So we're, are we going straight into this before we talk about Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, why not? Okay, all right. So let's let's do a better setup than that. Let's let's get a let's 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 go from like overall general view. Like let's get like our whole general thoughts, and then we can go we can dive in deeper with it after our general thoughts of the whole story. Because because now you've set up the fact that we've read we've all read it. Yeah, we all know exactly every detail from that story that that original script that he wrote. Right. So. I just think we should go from there because I think we should go in there and then go deeper of what we liked and what we didn't like. And then then we can kind of comp- then we can go and lead and compare it to Rise of Skywalker. Does that sound good? Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm not again, like I said at the beginning, I'm kind of just shooting from the hip here. Um, well, no, I'm not you. necessarily trying to compare everything in it to Rise of Skywalker. But, yeah, my general overall take on it was at first I wasn't even interested. Then yeah. I became more interested and I thought, you know, there's some stuff in here that I definitely don't like, but some stuff that I'm that I do like and that I'm intrigued by. And there still are some ideas that I like that I maybe wish that JJ had incorporated. Um, but yeah, after mm. reading the entire script, I'm like, mm, nah, pass. It, it reads like a, a bad EU novel with some interesting broad strokes, concepts and ideas. Yeah. Um, definitely swings for the fences, but and and again, in maybe some more ways that I would have liked to see Rise of Skywalker kind of push the boundaries a little bit. But it also some of it is just so far out there that it's like to introduce this after what we got with episode seven and eight would have felt like a huge turn into left field. And then there's just some plot points and some character arcs that just don't work for me. But yeah, we'll get yeah. into all the specifics of that. I guess I didn't, you know, I, I kind of was just jumping right in because I feel like we kind of all have the same general opinion of it. But <laughs> yeah, that, they, the audience doesn't know that. So I think it'd be right. right. But yeah, if you guys yeah. want to add anything to that before yeah. we dive in, go for it. Well, and for me, I want to say for the everyone knows who listens to the show, I love The Rise of Skywalker a lot. And so in order for me to really jump over to Colin, he'd have to write something that's to me as good as Rise of Skywalker. And it had to, and it's already climbing an uphill battle. And those who follow me on Twitter know that before I even got the script, I was like, nope, there's so much bad I thought in this. And maybe I came in biased, but when we read that script and, and the guys will tell you, I would 
just groan after so <laughs> many different sentences that I'd read. <laughs> you oh, yeah. you weren't just walked. groaning. You were shouting expletives. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. <laughs> if but, we do if we do ever release that, it's going to be a bit more PG-13 than our normal yeah, episodes. Yeah, I understand. I, I know. I got a potty mouth sometimes. <laughs> I, I, just, I can't help it. That's well, no, no, no. And I'm just saying, you know, it, it, that was part of the fun of it was that it was just, you know, more relaxed and informal and, you right. know, and some of it was just natural reactions to, you know, there are some WTF moments in there for sure. Yeah. And so, um, so with all that being said, it was... I went in kind of thinking like, let's have fun with it. You know, I can kind of laugh at some of these things, but some of the stuff, and like, I think how you said it, you do say it best. And I think, I think we definitely all think pretty much the same. I think we all realize that there are some good things in this, in the story. I think he had, I think Colin Trevorrow had the best of intentions, if that makes any sense. Now, I know I could say the same thing about Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson, I felt had like, I don't want to say he felt like he had an agenda, but that's what it seems like. Like it's almost as if he wanted to really uproot what was going on in the saga and, and, and put it on its head just for the sake of doing that. And again, not saying if you like that, that was bad or anything, but that's, it feels like he came in with a mission, like his mission statement to himself was, this is what I would want. So I would want this to happen because I want this. I want this to go on and blah, 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 blah. And so he did that. You get what you lost Jedi. And again, that's a whole different thing. But I will say with this specific script, and we have to say this specific script, because this is like the, as far as we know, one of the very early uh, iterations of his episode nine, he then would later go on to write different versions of this movie. This is only one version, right? So yeah, and this was the one from December 2016. So this was right. before Carrie Fisher passed as well. Right. Um, and then there were some additional leaked details from like another version. I think uh, Jason Ward from Making Star Wars yeah, detailed yeah, yeah. like a whole different script that was from like the following summer or something like that. Yeah, but and that's and and, and before we move to Rise of Skywalker, I would love to kind of tackle that Kyle so if you can throw it back to me before we go back to ride to, to rise I do have a theory I think we talked about it what about the newer uh, about the second version of the script about about a, a couple things it, it, it entails that but it will only take a few minutes but uh I want to wait to like we kind of talk about this story for a minute but um but anyway as far as this goes for me I think that this this whole story is just it, de- here's the thing about it Colin wanted he I think he really did have the best of intentions because we we obviously get Mortis in this. There's a lot of callbacks to different things in in the from the saga that he de- or not a lot, a few that he tries to kind of, you know, entrench the the movie and this and the kind of conclude the the sequel trilogy with like with Mortis and it to me there was good intentions of like hey Star Wars fans, I I've watched Clone Wars, I've done this too. I've done my homework. I've you know, the, 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 it opens with the Kuwait or Kuwait, whatever they are. Oh my God, Kuwait. Um, the, the shipyards, I'm a camera mm-hmm. the name. Um, you know, that was an EU reference, which I didn't even know to be honest. I'm like, Oh, well, that's cool. Whatever. Um, so it definitely felt like he was trying to give fans like nods and things and like deep cuts of things that we would want, you know, uh, basically, but 
the problem is, and this is ultimately, I think, going to be a big, again, a lot of people are going to get maybe angry or whatever, not angry, but kind of disagree or what, is this movie is very much a sequel to The Last Jedi and not really a conclusion to the saga. And I'll get to that. Re- I think I'll get to that reason reasoning a little bit later before we go to Rise of Skywalker. But to me, and because of that whole setup, it's a much much different field to Rise. And because of that, there's just a lot of focus on, I think, just kind of things that don't really matter, to be honest. And one of the biggest issues I have with the movie is how Kylo Ren is handled. Um, I think Kylo Ren is so uninteresting and just one note in this story mm-hmm. that it's so bland and so brutal that you're just, it's, it just, everything becomes, it's so obvious what they're doing. It's just setting up a new Vader. I mean, there's so many sets, uh, callbacks to Vader with Kylo Ren specifically that besides him fighting literally Darth Vader <laughs> at some point, but, or a, our vision of him, but like when he's when he has a holocron and it blows up in his face and the, and, the, and they're putting his body together and and, and they, they the fix concept. his face with melted beskar. <laughs> yeah, at, at that point it was just Mandalorian things, right? So, but but my point is this: is that everything was a callback to the next Vader, and it, it just didn't. It just felt cliche, and everyone will, will you know will will harp on. JJ for bringing back the emperor. How could you do that? You know, all this stuff. And, and that's your opinion. That's fine. But can you imagine if we just got Kylo Ren and he was just basically a Vader ripoff 2.0 at, at the third film after the, the, even the last Jedi did a great job of developing a, giving Kylo Ren a different kind of feel. Imagine going into that and getting Kylo Ren a one note. It just, it just doesn't work. And at least for me, in my opinion. So this, so without going too deep at this point, but the movie is just very much like this. It becomes very predictable and it just becomes very cliche to a point where I'm just, I can't believe that he, he wanted to go that route to be quite honest. I mean, and again, I have reasons for, I think why he was going this route too, but, but anyway, I just, yeah, it's for me, this movie, there was some, there, again, I'm going to say right now, I like the Coruscant stuff. I think the Coruscant stuff was probably the bit, the best idea he came up with, in my opinion. And I feel that all that, all that stuff wasn't so bad minus the 12 year old boy um, who is like, you know, all of a sudden like a general or something, you know, or a big player in this. Um, But the thing is Coruscant was cool, but Again, it just that was like one of the only things where I really feel like JJ could have borrowed from. But let's be honest, JJ's got an ego. Colin's got an ego. These guys aren't going to want to play nice or one. And JJ's not going to want to use something that Colin did. You know what I mean? Like JJ has too much of an ego. He's going to go into a project and say, "I'm going to do my thing." And then he may have been inadvert- inadvertently influenced by potentially by some of these things, or maybe it's coincidental that. Some of these, some of these things might, you know, somehow play together. I don't know. Maybe he borrowed a little bit from Colin, but to take something directly from his script and use that in his script would ne- was never going to happen. That's just reality. So, as a whole, 
it's no surprise. I think we definitely dodged a giant bullet. And I, I remember after we read the thing, I or during what we were reading, I posted a GIF of Mario dodging a giant bullet thing. Yeah, that was from, a perfect, <laughs> the perfect that, GIF to use. Yeah, that that Tim, I'll throw it to you in a second. But yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I really feel that we avoided something that really could have been bad. No, yeah, like you both said, we're pretty much in agreement on how we feel about it. And when it first came out and we started getting leaks of the art and plot details, to be honest, I was first kind of annoyed at it just because kind of what you were saying, Kyle, we got The Rise of Skywalker. It's out. It's been out for a bit now. And for me personally, I loved the movie. I loved how it wrapped up the saga, where it, where it took the characters. I was very satisfied. And then to get all this stuff being released for it, I knew it was going to be cause more divisiveness amongst fans saying, oh, this is so much better. Why couldn't we have gotten this movie? And for me, anyway, I can't see how anyone would think that. Maybe I'm biased because I do love Rise of Skywalker so much. But Well, take it from someone who doesn't love Rise of Skywalker as much as you guys do. It still wasn't better. Yeah, so that surprised me when I saw so many reactions like that saying, oh, this would have been like the perfect episode nine or the movie we should have gotten. But regardless of that, that's how I felt going into it once all this stuff came out where I I didn't feel the need to hurry up and dive into it. Oh, I couldn't wait to find out what movie Colin Trevorrow was going to give us or the potential concept art that what this movie could have been. I just wasn't eagerly waiting to look at it and dive into it like I normally do for new Star Wars stuff. Again, it probably is because something we're never going to get because it's different when we're getting concept art leaked for The Force Awakens before the movies comes out yet and just gets you really pumped. And then between something that comes out for a potential movie for one that we just got a few weeks ago. So it's totally different in that aspect with concept art leaking out. But once I did start hearing more what the movie could have been and seeing some of those plot or those concept art that would hint at the plot, I just, like you said, Paul, would think we dodged the bullet here. <laughs> it just made me, especially after reading that script with you guys, which like you said, it was such a fun time. But it just made me appreciate Rise of Skywalker so much more <laughs> where because we read it the night before the Oscars came out or the Oscars aired. And I remember watching the Oscars and they were just showing clips from the Rise of Skywalker in the categories it was nominated. And it just made me think, I'm so glad we got this movie. <laughs> I was thinking about us reading the script and then seeing the actual footage from the Rise of Skywalker. It just made me so thankful that this is what we got. But yeah, this, some of the things that puzzled me or not really puzzled me but i guess this made me feel like why this was the direction that they could have gone to which would have been such a disappointment for me is kind of alluding to what you were saying paul about it being bland in the direction it took kylo that's for me the biggest reason for him and ray i just felt the arc like i don't even think they went on an arc in this movie <laughs> there's like, like nothing there nothing that just felt satisfying that the lead up and the build up from the previous two movies that led to the duel of the fates, it just would have been very underwhelming and anticlimactic. Just the connection that they had in the first two movies and then how it all led to them being a diet of the force and Ray playing a role in Kylo being redeemed and Kylo saving Ray at the end. I just loved how all that, what came before in the previous movies led to that moment in the rise of Skywalker. And I got, none of that feelings when reading that script for the role that they that they had even the title duel of the fates the duel that they had didn't even seem like it was a fateful duel as it would imply as 
like the Anakin Obi Wan fight was that's more mm-hmm. aptly appropriate to a, something being called Duel of the Fates, even though it's called Battle of the Heroes. But <laughs> you get what I'm saying. There's just nothing there as I was reading it. Just felt like this is the culmination of what really. It just felt very empty, like you said, Paul. I think that's a great <laughs> word to describe it for me as I was reading that and just thinking that the saga could have ended that way, man, I would have been <laughs> really disappointed. Even the stuff I don't like of Star Wars somewhat sometimes, I do try to find the positives and the best out of everything of Star Wars because I never want to have something of Star Wars that I just truly dislike. But it would have been a lot <laughs> hard to try to find certain positives in this one because there's just a lot about it that just did not <laughs> click for me at all. Now, Tim, I want, and, and this is where I'll, I'll wait to tease us the end was at the end of the saga to be continued to the end of this little bit to a little later that's, of the show. That's a fair point too. Yeah. Cause it could have been that wasn't the attention. Was yeah. The script was so, written, I'll, so I'll just, I'll just tease with that, but I'll, I'll, I'll be patient and wait. And even some of the cool stuff that he was putting in there, like Coruscant and in particular Mortis, that would have been so cool and amazing to see in live action. I would have been all for it, but in the end it didn't really amount to anything. There was, Hardly, it, it I don't think it was it even Mortis. <laughs> I mean, I really yeah, because well, it no, no. Well, my point is, they, they go there, but it's not Mortis is like again a force nexus, right? It's not really a place you go to. Like, right. hey guys, pack your bags, let's go to Mortis. Oh well, yeah, because the there was there that was part people of, who knew about it a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think Poe Dameron was like, oh, yeah, I've heard old Legends of Mortis. It's like, how the heck did Poe know about it when Anakin and <laughs> Obi-Wan stumbled on it by accident? Like, and no I Jedi ever knew about it. But, and, oh, and then the other thing, too, it's is, like, they, they go to Mortis, and it's, like, a planet that you can approach from orbit. And we were all sitting there reading it, like, wasn't it that mysterious cube thing in space? Like, it's not an actual planet. Um, so, yeah. Not it, even it, a... I it, it mention of the father, son, or daughter. I forget if there was exactly. like a hint, but if there was, it wasn't much because I can't remember if there was or not, but more than likely there wasn't. And there's such a big aspect of Mortis and what makes it so intriguing and just mm-hmm. what you want to learn more about it. And we didn't get any of that in this. Except there was a temple that Kylo had to go to that would have given him the ultimate power of the force, I think. Now, now, hang on, before we go any further with this and keep picking apart, you know, individual plot lines and stuff, obviously I'm sure there's some people listening to this who haven't read the script or the, uh, even like the plot synopsis or whatever. So this is going to be rough because I'm just kind of going from memory here. I should, you know, pull it up in front of me, but let's kind of go through and just do like a brief overview of the plot. Um, So basically it starts out with, uh, with Finn and Rose and Poe and they're, they've like infiltrated uh, a first order shipping yard. Ray eventually shows up too. Um, but they're basically trying to, you know, disrupt the first order's uh, supply of building new ships and stuff. And um, their plan goes awry. The first order kind of stops them from blowing up the thing. Um, and in order to escape, they, you know, again, they had an original escape plan and had to improvise it. And so they end up stealing a whole star destroyer. Um, which is like mostly empty because it's still, you know, just brand new off the assembly line. And it's just like a skeleton crew on the bridge. And Ray is able to like mind trick all of them uh, into letting them take over the ship. And of course, Poe is like, I can fly anything, including a whole Star Destroyer. So they fly that back to the Resistance. Yeah, yeah. And so they fly that back to the Resistance base. 
uh, Leia gets all mad at them because she's like, well, obviously you're going to attract attention stealing a whole freaking Star Destroyer. And sure enough, the First Order is able to track the Star Destroyer and they come and attack the Resistance base and everybody has to kind of flee and split up. Um, and so Rose and Finn go to Coruscant because they, I think in Rey's, you know, through studying the ancient Jedi text, she talks about um, how there was, uh, oh, and also, so the First Order is like, somehow blocking communications across the entire galaxy to like keep the resistance from communicating with and trying to like recruit other people to their cause. So they got to find a way to get around that to sort of try to rally people to fight against the first order. And Ray has found, you know, that there was this ancient beacon in the Jedi temple and it's from back in the days before, uh, you know, the modern technology. It's like, Oh, the first order's jammers wouldn't be able to block this. And it's just like this big force powered signal beacon that goes out from the Jedi temple. So, uh, Rose and Finn go to Coruscant to try to sneak into the Jedi temple and activate that. And they take like R2D2 and C3PO with them. Uh, Ray and Finn, uh, or sorry, Ray and Poe go off on some other mission with Chewie. And I forget exactly where they have to go, but it's, I think they know somebody they're, like Poe knows. They're trying to find the person who knows where Mortis is pretty much. Oh, that's right. Wait, is that what it is? That comes, it comes up that early. Yeah. Pretty sure it does. Okay. Because, because, because it, <clears throat> oh, because I think she, doesn't she like have a vision of Kylo because, and sees that that's nightmares. where they're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she has, she has like a vision of Kylo, Kylo killing Ren her. Is, yeah, because Kylo Ren is seeking out Mortis because he thinks if he finds Mortis, he's going to become the most powerful Jedi ever. Or whatever. I don't know what he. Yeah, doing. yeah. Kylo. Well, Kylo Ren is seeking Mortis for power. Ray has a vision of him going there and him killing her and stuff. So, and so now she knows that like that there's something that he's seeking on Mortis, and she has to try to go and stop him, and knows that that's where she's going to have her showdown with him. Um... And so, yeah, so Ray really has, like, no motivation in this movie other than I have to go to my final confrontation with Kylo. And Kylo has no motivation other than I want this thing. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, and honestly, like, Kylo and Ray's storylines both feel really sort of truncated. Well, not just that, but, like, they feel kind of lackluster, almost as if there's too yeah. much attention given to, like, Finn and Poe and Rose. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and then, and also to the, the, uh, Ray and Poe relationship, but not to the Ray and Kylo dynamic. And both of their storylines just feel really bare, bare bones. And yes, Ray and Poe don't even get, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So, so Ray and Poe and Chewie go off on, on, uh, their mission to find some, basically like a Maz Kanata type character, some old smuggler or something that knows where Mortis is. Pose like this is the person that all the smugglers go to for information, um, but also he introduces this element where Ray and Poe kind of have a thing, and it's not really built up or earned. It's just like they said hi to each other at the end of the Last Jedi, and now we're in Duel of the Fates, and they're flirting with each other nonstop. And and as the person who was reading Poe's lines for that our script read of Duel of the Fates. That was pretty rough to get through some of that dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, it was just uh, not good. Um, especially when they get to a part where Ray and Poe are trying to like part ways and she's trying to convince him to leave. And he's like, no, I'm not going to leave you. And so she's like trying to Jedi mind trick him. And he's like, what are you doing? That's not going to work on me. And so she kisses him and that somehow like weakens him up enough that then she can use the Jedi mind trick on him. And it's like, wow, that's not 
weird and Ugh. manipulative at all. Um, it's so stupid. Yeah, it's yeah. So, so, and, and that, that all happens while you know they're off trying to find that person, and then I think they find it. It ends up being like a little kid um, who happens to be super smart and knows where stuff is, and then so they find out where Mortis is, and then the Knights of Ren show up. In uh, oh, Paul, what was the name of that ship again? Oh, it's a North Nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So every um, time the 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 ship of the Kylo, the Knights of Ren, they were in. It was called the Knife Nine, but whenever I read Knife Nine, I had to say it like that because it always sounded like a uh, a metal band from the '80s. Like, hello, we're Knife Nine. <laughs> oh, it, it, see, I thought of it as like a an '80s like toy commercial. You could look at Either it that way, way too, but yeah, Knife Nine <laughs> with firing action jets. <laughs> But um, either way, it came to a point where you can't say it any other way than that. So. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I was reading the narration part and I would just have to pause to let Paul say knife nine every time the yeah. name of the ship showed up. Um, so, yeah. So anyways, so the Knights of Ren show up. Ray and Poe and she- me, I could just say real quick on the Knights of Ren how they weren't even with Kylo at all in this movie and. There is no connection between them at all. They were just there and were working for the First Order, which to me, even though they didn't have a bunch to do in The Rise of Skywalker, at least they were involved with Kylo Ren. And Kylo was their leader that we yeah, saw. Yeah, but, but in Rise of Skywalker, they just stood around watching Kylo do stuff. And in this one, like they actually had some cool fight scenes, at least. The action sent cool. I'll give it that. But just how they weren't involved with Kylo at all was just, to me, a big disappointment with that. Yeah. So it's kind of, you could take one extreme where you're glad they got a cool action sequence, but they didn't be involved with Kylo at all. Or you could look at the Rise of Skywalker where Kylo was involved with them, but they didn't get much action. Either. I mean, I will say at least in this version, they also at least got a little bit more like individual characterization. Um, which would have been nice to see in Rise of Skywalker. I mean, they're basically just a bunch of faceless bad guys we don't yeah. even know who they are as characters but i mean they don't really get a whole lot of backstory or development in either one of the the versions so but that is i mean i'll, I'll give colin points for that for for maybe getting a little bit more use out of the knights of red um but ray and chewy and poe fight them and kill them all and ray does the same thing where she loses control and uses lightning on one of them um, it was kind of interesting because there are actually a lot of similarities between this and uh, Rise of Skywalker in terms of just like specific beats or whatever. Um, and I remember an interview with Colin Trevorrow after Rise of Skywalker came out and he said, um, you know, I, I like the movie and blah, blah, blah. And like it was nice to see that they used some of my story ideas. And then Chris Terrio kind of refuted that and said, you know, there may have been some stuff that was you know, coincidental, like we both just happened to do the same thing, but we didn't really try to take anything from, uh, from his version of it. But I find that kind of hard to believe, like, even if they didn't read his script and go, okay, what do we want to take from this? I mean, like you said, Paul, like they probably at least saw the production art lying around Lucasfilm, you know, and maybe just took a look at some of the previous ideas that they had. Um, and that may have at least kind of in the back of their minds, like informed what they wanted to do with Rise of Skywalker. Um, cause sure there's some sim, you know, some stuff you can be written off as a coincidence, but there was some stuff where it was like, eh, that kind of seems like, you know, somebody came up with that same idea or, or like, you know, it was borrowed from one person to the other or whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, so they defeat all the Knights of Ren and then Ray is like, all right, Poe, Chewie, this is too dangerous for you. I got to take off on my own to go to Mortis. 
meanwhile, oh, so Kylo, the, you know, and this is another thing, he goes to Mustafar to find some artifact in Vader's castle. It's not the Wayfinder, but it's like a Sith holocron. Um, and it's a message that Palpatine left for Vader, basically giving him instructions of what to do if Palpatine was ever defeated. And he says, go find Tor Valum, who's this ancient Sith master who trained Darth Plagueis, totally chucking the rule of two out the window. Uh, um, yeah. First biggest mistake in that script. To me. <laughs> when we find yeah. that, I was like, what are you doing? And it's like it gives him all this information and then realizes that it's not Vader. So as a security measure, it blows up in his face and like burns him really badly you know so so basically then the first order has to like or he i guess he makes his way to the first order like barely alive and so you know they heal him essentially by pouring man melted mandalorian iron on his face like that's an effective method of medical treatment but you know that sort of like (laughs) makes him a new mask i guess And, and he's supposed to be all like gruesome looking um and so then he's like, okay, cool. Now I got to go seek out this Torvalum Sith Master guy. And so he goes to some ancient Sith planet called Remnicor, where this weird spindly alien guy named Torvalum is there. And apparently he's like the master of all the Sith. And he teaches Kylo how to like suck the life force out of things. Um, and then Kylo goes in a cave and he fights a vision of Darth Vader. And then I guess... Torvalum wants him to like stay and become his apprentice or something. And basically Kylo's like, nah, I'm done with you. And he sucks the life out of Torvalum and kills him. Um, okay. By the way, that is probably it. And that is one of my biggest issues with <clears throat> this story because, you know, everyone will rip on JJ for bringing back Palpatine. Right. And, it's evident that after you killed Snoke, you left a giant gaping hole with the character and having something with him, like, again, to kind of, like, usher in something to, to go along with Kylo Ren by killing off Snoke. And everyone rips on J.J. for bringing back the Emperor and all this jazz and everything. But then these same people will be like, we should have got this one. It's like, but they introduce a character that essentially is retconned into the continuity or attempting to get retconned into into the continuity and have him be the, all of a sudden the magical uh, Sith teacher of Palpatine and uh, uh, Plagueis. And then he's basically nothing to him though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That name means nothing to me. So Palpatine lets the Sith Lord go, you know, live, wherever like even though palpatine's whole motivation is to be the the literal emperor of the universe yeah. and i'll control <laughs> everything all threats, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah and all and make sure like you know there's no one else that can you know rival his power but yet let's this sith master go on it's so powerful that he wants to have him just in case we you know there needs to be a backup plan right which again is like okay the kind of that itself goes against what the emperor you know believes in Kylo Ren goes there, you know, he's probably a, a, he's a powerful Jedi, but he's not like fully trained. Even Snoke talks about, he, he completes his training and force awakens. So he goes there to learn more from this guy. He learns literally one lesson, one. He doesn't learn. It's not like he had multiple scenes that were cut out of the movie. No, 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 no people. 
he learns one lesson, which is to suck the life energy out of living things. And you know what he does to Torvalum right afterwards? He sucks the energy right out of Torvalum. So you're telling me that the Sith Master that's like trained Plagueis, who then trained Palpatine, Kylo Ren's going to come over to him and go, oh, you're done, old man, and then takes his power just like that? What a waste of a character. You create all of this just to get him die or have him die by the hands of Kylo Ren? For what? It's just so stupid. Oh, God. Yeah, and like he would have no way to defend himself against that. Exactly. Like he's so you know. Oh, hey, here's how you suck the life force out of things. Oh shoot! I just taught him how to kill me, and I don't know how to stop it. (laughs) It's like it's like the knights who say knee. I said it. I said it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. So yeah, yeah, and he's in like two scenes, and then you know Kylo kills him, and then uh, so Kylo's got his new force sucking ability and his new half Mandalorian mask thing. And he goes off to Mortis and Ray goes off to Mortis. And meanwhile, Finn and Ray are on, or Finn and, uh, and Rose are on Coruscant. By the way, yes, Rose gets a whole lot more to do in this version of the script for, you know, people that were disappointed by the lack of Rose Tico in rise of Skywalker. But boy, is she insufferable in this movie? Like oh, yeah. some of the worst dialogue you're ever going to read. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. And, I, I didn't give her the best voice in the in, in, in when I read her character. No, but so. you gave her a voice that was fitting for her lines. Like that's true. Which look, is I'm, I'm all for like strong female characters and, you know, girls like Ahsoka and Ray who can handle themselves like just as well as the boys. But like every single one of Rose's lines in this script is like, I'm going to show you how to do this and rub the boys noses in it. Like, sure, I'll let Finn think that he's good, but I'm better than him. Blah, blah, blah. Like it was just gosh, I don't know. Just her whole character was annoying in this. Yeah. And it felt so out of character. Like I, I like her character for the most part in The Last Jedi. And this felt like it didn't feel like the same character. No, it really didn't. Like I couldn't no. see, I, mm. I couldn't picture like Kelly Marie Tran playing Rose the same way in this version of the movie. It just, it didn't read like the same character off the script. Um, so another thing in the, you know, another check in the column of glad we didn't get this version. Um, but they make it back to Coruscant. They, they sneak into the Jedi temple. They activate this beacon thing. Um, it, you know, spreads all across the galaxy and then somehow Kylo Ren stops it like from traveling through hyperspace with the force. Oh, and they have to, they insert some like recorded message from Leia into like the tower as it's projecting this message. And so then you see people all across the galaxy hearing this message from Leia being projected. Um, But then Kylo Ren cuts it off and stops it. But it was enough to be like, okay, you know, you kind of get the people got the point. Um, also that's one aspect I kind of like, cause that is a kind of a cool harken back to where it all began with Leia's message to Obi-Wan and how that sparked the journey that Luke went on and pretty much the whole saga. But as to have Leia give another message that rallies together the whole galaxy, I thought that was a pretty cool way to get everyone to come together to finally defeat the first order. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. I like the idea of it. Um, there's good ideas. Yeah, There's no, and again, there, there are some good ideas in here. I mean, I mentioned, too, like, Ray's lightsaber and, and some other stuff, but 
Um, so also Leia goes to visit Lando in like some club that he owns now and she's trying to get him to come help and he's like, nah, I'm done with that. Like, sorry, I can't help you. So after transmitting that beacon, um, then Finn and Ro or Finn and Rose like get split up. They're on the run on in Coruscant. Uh, Rose actually gets captured by the First Order um, and Finn ends up kind of hiding out underground with a bunch of people that are basically being oppressed by the First Order, like, oh, and I mean, I guess we didn't really talk about the fact that um, Coruscant is like the First Order capital now, and they've got like a giant sort of like hovering capital city that's kind of basically kind of like taken over the whole planet. Um, and General Hux is there, and that's kind of like their, their central base of command, but then like down on the streets and everything, people are living in poverty and kind of living underground and trying to uh, escape the oppression of the First Order, and so... Um, Finn ends up in some like labor camp or something. Um, and yeah, meets this like 12 year old kid who's, you know, like a wannabe resistance fighter. And basically Finn ends up rallying a bunch of people to fight against the Broom first boy 2.0. And he ends up uh, turning some like basically convincing some stormtroopers to turn against the first order too. Um, so basically it kind of all comes to a head where uh, the, the re resistance mounts an attack on, Coruscant to try to liberate it from the First Order. Leia shows up with a fleet uh, with Finn and Poe, uh, or sorry, with Poe and Chewie um, tagging along. And actually, Poe is flying the Millennium Falcon and Chewie is flying an X-Wing um, in the space battle. Uh, Finn is mounting a ground assault with a bunch of just Coruscant citizens and, uh, and like I said, some stormtroopers who he's convinced to turn away from the First Order. Um, and they're basically fighting against these, like, Mandalorian commandos or something that the First Order has now recruited. That's right. <laughs> Forgot about that aspect. Uh, yeah. Um, what? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah they there's showed like up at these, the very end. The, yeah, there's these big, tough, like, First Order super commandos or something. And at one point, like, after they've been introduced, they just kind of, there's, like, one line where it casually mentions that they're Mandalorian. Um, so it's, like, okay, I guess they're, you know, using mercenaries and stuff now in addition to just their brainwashed stormtroopers. I guess to give them a reason to, like, have something else to fight, you know, because I guess that kind of makes sense if you think about it, because if Finn was, like, had a group of stormtroopers that he's, like, trying to convince to retake their humanity and turn against the First Order, and then they just go and kill some more First Order stormtroopers who are, like, the same people that they just haven't been able to convince yet, that might not have... Uh, you know, worked as well as giving them something else to fight. But yeah, so there's a big ground battle on the streets of Coruscant, big space battle uh, up in the skies above Coruscant. The resistance is losing. They're getting pushed back, uh, even though like their main capital ship is that Star Destroyer that they stole from the First Order. Um, and then at the last second, Lando shows up with a whole fleet of like a thousand smuggler and pirate ships. Uh, so just like what happens in The Rise of Skywalker, um, and, you know, turns the tide, uh, Poe is able to break through in the Falcon and fly down to the surface and help, you know, wipe out the rest of the ground forces down there. General Hux, realizing that he's lost the Star Wars, that's a direct <laughs> line from the script. Uh, it's, it's a, no, it's not a line, but it's a... Well, yeah, not, not a line of dialogue, but that's written in the script that, like, Hux has an officer come up to him and talks about, like, oh, their forces are pushing back. Like, what are we supposed to do? And uh, it's like, um, you know, the, the realization dawns on Hux that he's lost the Star Wars or something to that effect. Um, 
And then he goes and apparently Hux is like a, oh, oh, so they, the the weird thing they did with General Hux in this movie is like just out of nowhere, he suddenly is like a Jedi wannabe. Like there's one point where like he tries to use the force on somebody and like they laugh at him because it doesn't work and he gets all embarrassed and he's like collected these antique lightsabers and stuff. And then when he realizes he's lost the Star Wars, he takes one of those lightsabers and stabs himself like that's what happens to General Hux. Um, <sighs> and then meanwhile, Ray and Kylo are fighting on uh, on Mortis. You know, there's this temple that Kylo's trying to get to, and they end up, you know, having their big lightsaber duel on the steps of the temple. Um, and while they're dueling, Kylo is kind of taunting Ray, and he reveals to her that he killed her parents on the orders of Snoke, and that they really were no one. But somehow they were important enough that Snoke wanted them dead, and so he ordered Kylo to kill them, which makes no sense in the established timeline, because <laughs> at the time that Rey's parents left her, let's assume she was like six, Kylo would have been 16, because he's 10 years older than her. And we know that like he didn't even uh, you know, leave Luke Skywalker and, and join Snoke in the First Order until he was probably about 24. It's what, like five or six years before The Force Awakens? So... Again, just chucking continuity out the window for the sake of, I don't know what to someone seemed like a good plot point to just be like, oh, I killed your parents, by the way. Um, so they're fighting. Kylo blinds Rey, basically leaves her for dead, goes inside this temple, finds that there's nothing there. Rey, meanwhile, like calls on, you know, kind of like in, in uh, Rise of Skywalker, she... Um, draws strength from not just the Jedi actually. So, so then the force ghost of Luke shows up to confront Kylo and is actually, uh, sort of like interacting with him. Like Kylo tries to swing his lightsaber at him and Luke's force ghost, like catches Kylo's lightsaber blade in his hand and stops it. And he's basically lecturing him about how he's failed and, and all this kind of stuff. And he says like, you're no Skywalker. And, um, then he says something about, Ray and how powerful she is and then it's like and how the force is connecting all of us and stuff and you see it kind of cuts to like Ray or like uh Finn and Poe and Leia and all these other people and they're all kind of like through the force like reaching out to Ray and kind of encouraging her to get up and keep fighting and so she does and then Luke says you know we're all connected through the force and you can't defeat us or something like that um and Ray shows up again basically pulls a cane and you know she she just blindfolds herself and uses the force to see and she keeps dueling kylo ren and she's like beating him back and she's winning now and then suddenly he realizes like oh the the power thing on mortis that i came here for that's not here was never what i needed in the first place i can just suck all the power out of ray because she's so powerful and i can suck life force out of things now so he starts doing that and then Ray is like, Ben, please don't do this. And Leia, just like in Rise, uh, Rise of Skywalker, reaches out to her son and is like, Ben, don't do this. And he's like, okay. And he gives Ray all her force light or all her life force back and dies. That's literally what happens. Like Ray is hovering in the air, having the life force drained out of her. And she reaches out her hand to Ben and he takes it and heals her and dies. But before he dies, he says, Ray, your last name is Solana. 
And then and that's it. No redemption, no important bloodline, no nothing. And you guys know I still have issues with how all that was handled in Rise of Skywalker. But gosh, this made Rise of Skywalker look like freaking the Godfather or Citizen Kane or something. Well, and, and that's the thing, man, is that this story... And again, I know I, everyone knows I'm, I'm anti-Ray Rando, and this is the ultimate Ray Rando story. But the way this was handled, it's just so cliche. And like you said, it just how why Kylo Ren would even kill her parents, and timeline-wise, it, it doesn't really add up. And the reveal of her last name, there's no real significance behind it. It's just like, now you know your last name. It's like, oh, <laughs> this is great. You know, it's like, okay, there's not really... Because give... Let's give Bryce Skywalker some credit here because they heavily hint at the fact that she's gone on to be... Like, she wants to be a part of something, you know, know where she comes from. And... Though there are a couple lines of no one is no one, Ray, or something ridiculous. It's just a stupid, this is a stupid sentence like that. I'm sorry. It's just a dumb sentence. And and people will rip on JJ for things like that in Rise of Skywalker. But to me, there's a couple lines and and there's a couple things in Rise of Skywalker or uh, Duel of the Fates that kind of hint at this reveal meaning something to Ray. But I really do feel that JJ and Chris Terrio did, went out of their way to really on different ways of bringing out the theme of revealing of, of, of this, who she is and accepting who she is and it not mattering ultimately in the end. I think that what to me is what was so awesome in rise of Skywalker is that she wants this belonging. Then she finds out, Oh crap. Like this is I, what I'm a part of is kind of sucks. Actually, this isn't good. And in the end, she ends up rejecting all that and becoming who she wants to be. And with this, it's just, oh yeah, no one's from no, no one is no one. That means I can be a hero. Here's your last name. That's it. That's literally the reveal and the buildup of that character besides the previous two films. And to me, you do a disservice to Ray's character by not building to at least give it some significance with that, other than the fact that she wanted to know where she came from or she's waiting for her family in the previous two films. When you read that script, there's nothing in it that tells you that Ray wants to be desire, desires to be, have belonging somewhere where you get that in rise of Skywalker. You get that in the last Jedi, you get that in the force awakens. Those are all things that like were important to the character that at least that are somewhat consistent. Now, I agree that th we all know Ray Palpatine was not necessarily the the uh, the original idea probably going forward, but at least that was a consistent theme with the character. I don't think that's evident in this story at all, which is really odd. And it's really not because, I mean, again, I would have been OK with her still being no one if they had done it right. But like you said, like that theme of belonging and, and still kind of tugging at that thread of like her finding out where she comes from and stuff like that's not even really present in this version of the script up until Kylo's dying and goes, Oh, by the way, here's your last name. Um, and yeah, yeah he, and he and says something. Yeah. He says something to her while they're fighting. He's like, you're no one. And she's like, no one is no one. Um, which the second time they said the line because they call, he tries to call back to it from the previous, you know, cause that's what she says to Luke or something like that as a good force ghost. Yeah, right, yeah. Or something like that. But still, <laughs> so I mean, it's a, 
it's so, but but no, but that's my point though. It's it's such a weak, it's such a weak line because no one is no one. It's like you didn't really build that up because you're just there's no you don't really mention it besides the fact that Ray is frustrated that you know of of having to deal with Kylo Ren. Yeah, it's and, like oh, there's an emotional theme of the movie because we said a line a couple times. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And there was a lot of stuff like that in this movie, stuff where it's just like, oh, you know, we'll just tack that on there. And now we can say that, you know, the movie checks this box. I, I really do believe because I here's the thing. A lot of people, or at least online, the Raylos, and again, I'm not trying to bring this up, but the Raylos don't like the movie for, for Rise of Skywalker for a number of reasons. And I don't know what I don't I I pretty much I don't I haven't muted Raylos yet, but I'm pretty much on the verge of doing that. But regardless, they can have their, their opinions or whatever. I, I, I that's fine. But what the one thing I am curious of, and I haven't really gone down this road, and I'm curious if you guys maybe you guys have seen it. I don't know. But it seems to me that Raylos would hate this even more. And that, you know, and then I'm not saying that was like the majority only fan base that didn't like Rise of Skywalker, but I feel that there's a lot of people that would have hated what they did with this story and, and maybe those same people who just didn't like rise of skywalker so much it's easy for them to say this see this and read this and go oh this is much better because blah 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 and it's like man can you imagine if kylo ren was just a jerk like this the whole movie and didn't really have any redeeming qualities even though that yeah. they those were hinted at yeah. in the previous films exactly like he gets no redemptive arc in this movie he gets a, a it's not an arc. It's it's a straight line and then a sharp drop off at the end um, <laughs> yeah. because the, yeah. the entire movie and they talk about like, oh, Ben's too evil. He's too gone to be redeemed like we can't save him. And meanwhile, you see him off just doing all this Sithy stuff and trying to gain ultimate power for himself. And it kind of seems like, OK, he's the bad guy now. And then, yeah, at the end, just like Leia's like, Ben, please don't do this. And Ray's like, Ben, please don't do this. And he's like, OK, I won't do this and dies like. <laughs> What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and here's the thing with 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 this movie, they're like again, like Luke, like all you know, the Force Ghost Luke comes and like grabs like Kylo Ren's lightsaber at some point and and a lot of people like that. And to me, I, I don't want the Force Ghost to intervene. I feel that the Force Ghost, they are in a plane of existence that they cannot interfere physically with the real world or, or how about this not physically but with the events of the great of the galaxy that's not their role the role is to give wisdom and everything but they cannot mm-hmm. interfere and i Heck feel like one even says that or seems to establish that in empire yeah, yeah. exactly and, and but it's weird because luke interferes in this in this freaking movie i mean yeah. basically now to be another- fair he doesn't like jump in to save ray in the middle of the the duel like she's lying outside and luke is basically just kind of stalling time for her um so i i, still I did yeah. think it, i i like that in particular i didn't have a problem with and it would have been cool to see like i definitely wish um you wish luke did more in the trilogy me too <laughs> well yeah um see that would have worked better in the last jedi i've seen luke doing that even if it no, was yeah yeah now that's a great point that's a great point yeah exactly but just Luke in the script, I had Ooh. a problem with because him spending more time taunting and tormenting Kylo than giving wisdom to Ray just did not feel right at all. I remember seeing that in some of the plot points that Luke is haunting Kylo 
and telling him, you know, he's like, no, you're no Skywalker, you're a failure. Like, why would Luke spend his time as a Force Ghost doing that? It just didn't seem, everyone talks about him being so out of character in The Last Jedi. To me, this is even more so, where he could exhort that wisdom to Rey, like we saw in The Rise of Skywalker. But no, he's doing, not even to help Kylo. That's the thing. If he was trying to help Kylo bring him back to the light, I could see it, but he's not. He's just like tormenting and telling him what a failure <laughs> he is. And it just did not work at all for this to be the way to utilize a force ghost Luke, yeah. not in that wisdom mentor role that we've seen all force ghosts be utilized as, but just as someone who is, you know, poking the, <laughs> poking the bear, so to speak, uh, at Kylo Ren and just pushing him more and more to the dark side more than trying to help him. It's not like, well, and I think yeah. he, I think he maybe took it a little too literally when, uh, Luke at the end of the last Jedi says, you know, strike me down in anger and I'll be, I'll always be with you just like your father. Um, and so it's like exactly. now Kylo tried to kill him and now he can't get rid of him. I will say and that's, though, and that's at the least stupid part of it, he didn't even kill Luke. <laughs> right. So Luke wouldn't even be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he does try to give wisdom to Ray too, to be fair. And she is just kind of like, she's just kind of done with it. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, just one quick scene where yeah, she's training and, and then he comes. Yeah, I forget even what he says. But. Yeah, and she well, and she's talking about how all these generations of Jedi have tried to control her destiny and stuff. And she's like, basically, that's the other thing is she's trying to find her own path kind of like between the light and the dark. Oh, and so then when she so after Kylo dies, Rey is also still kind of weakened and dying. And she basically like becomes one with the force for a moment and goes into what they call like the astral plane. And it's almost kind of like the world between worlds or almost like a force purgatory or something. And she sees the force ghosts of Luke and Obi-Wan and Yoda. And they're all basically like, it, it kind of felt, feels like a scene, like at the end of a video game where like, yeah, all the mentors yeah, are like yeah. talking to the hero and they're like, well done, Ray, you did it. You yeah. saved our town. Like, yeah. but they're like, you taught us <laughs> oh things. My about, God. They're like, you taught us things about the force that we didn't know because you embraced the light and the dark side. And then they're like, you are so smart. Yeah. And then they're like, and you have a choice. You can join us or you can go back to the land of the living and experience all the things you haven't experienced <laughs> yet. Like love. <laughs> like holy crap it's a choose your ending movie <laughs> exactly exactly it's like well done mario you saved the princess no uh, that's exactly what it is oh my god well and, also and so too, and so then it kind of leaves it open-ended as i mean obviously you know she's not going to choose to like stay with them in the force you know she's going to come back but then it just shows like uh finn and poe and like leia and they're kind of uh just going about their lives and like they're thinking about her and wondering if she's ever going to come back. And then you see that like Finn and Rose have settled on this kind of remote planet and they've got, um, Oh, they've got broom boy with them and the kid that Finn rescued from Coruscant. And they've basically started like a sanctuary for force sensitive kids. And they all are like hoping that someday Ray will come back and train them to be Jedi. Um, and like the last shot of the movie is, is Finn and Rose are just out there watching these kids play. And then off on the horizon, they see someone coming and it's Ray and they all run towards her. And, um, basically, you know, she's ready to, to take up that mantle and train the next generation of Jedi. And that's it. So 
let me since we're wrapping up it's something we're wrapping up this thing and we've already explained a lot of things we don't like about this movie or this script i should say and i think this is a good place for for me to kind of give my two cents i here's what i think happened and i think i've told you both this and i've told other people this and this is my own opinion this is not informed speculation or anything this is my own own opinion that i think colin trevorrow it, fe- it feels like that when he was hired that again there was a, a sense of when there because when he was hired he was hired before the last Jedi ever even came out like ryan johnson was still working on the movie and yeah i mean this was, basically this draft of the script that we read is from like a year before uh right right before, before last movie, jedi came out it's so, before even before uh rogue one even came out yeah, well, it was basically from right around the time that Rogue One came out. And and just yeah. to preface, I mean, I guess it's too late to preface this, but take this all with a grain of salt just because, I mean, it is legit. It basically has been verified, but this isn't to say that this is what the final movie would have looked like. It wouldn't have been, no. Because yeah, we, so, you know, because, thing, obviously things change. There's rewrites and well, reshoots this, this what, and this all what that I'm kind trying of to stuff, get to. So. This, this is what I'm trying to say. So what if you follow the leaks, because before The Rise of Skywalker came out, Jason Ward had had said he had read a script or read something about how this there's a story that the, the writer that they got on um, that they eventually eventually hired to do work with um, what's his name? Oh, my gosh. Colin Trevorrow was, you know, whatever. And then Colin immediately refuted it, which is very interesting. Like he was like, wow, this is yeah, this is pretty this is pretty bad. This is not what something that me and Derek, his co-writer that co-wrote this version of the script came up with. Here's what, this is what, and this is what I want everyone to kind of understand. So he turned the script in, in 2016, right before Carrie Fisher passed away. Carrie Fisher, Carrie Fisher passes away and works on the script and, you know, is is working on things and, and whatever. Right. Then it gets announced that they hired a new script writer to work on the script with Colin Javaro. That's not the guy who wrote the script with Colin named Derek. Forgot his last name. That's my brother's name. That's why I just call him Derek. So his name, but this guy's name is Jack Thornton or something like that. So, something like that. And Jack Thorne, I don't know. But anyway, it was announced that summer or whatever later on that Jack was then hired to write the script with Colin Trevorrow. Well, what happens is, from what we understand, is that he eventually, they, you know, whatever. It's obviously there's, there's problems between him and Kathleen Kennedy and, and whatever, and he leaves. So what's interesting is that when Jason Ward talked about that script that that Jack guy had wrote, and that all, and there are some similarities from what this script and that script have, the Duel of the Fate script version one and, and the one that Jack wrote. There's a lot of differences, and those differences is what. Colin kind of when when you know kind of refuted at that time and it was like oh man so what's interesting and this is my own speculation I think that Kathleen Kennedy what went into the last Jedi because again this version was part his version of the movie was turned in before last Jedi I think she and Disney full after you know rises or excuse me the Force Awakens and Rogue One everything's going great everyone's having a great time Star Wars can't do anything wrong. And they're having the script and he's going off of last Jedi. They're go- doing their thing. She probably is like, yeah, not, not good. Not good. I bet. Cause if you look at the scripts or the, or the synopsis of things from that Jack script to this one, it's very, very different. 
and like Torvalm's not in it. Mortis isn't in it. There's a lot of different things, some similarities, but the race Alana thing ugh, is still in there. But this is where I want to get interesting. So if you think about it, he the whole time is then working with with Kathleen Kennedy and Kathleen Kennedy has already had problems with, you know, Lord Miller at this point and, you know, and all that. So there's there's already things brewing around. So then as they're working together and working and working and working and you obviously have to solve the Carrie Fisher issue, The Last Jedi comes out and then. Now, I know a lot of people love The Last Jedi, but let's be real, split fandom. You can't deny that. Like, it is very split. It's like Rise of Skywalker split. I'm not saying people like Rise of Skywalker more. They don't. It's split. I will fully admit that. But what you have to realize is that if that split fandom and Disney didn't like that, the fact that, again, if it went from people were 75% happy with Star Wars from a majority of mainstream audiences – then went from 75 to 65 or uh, excuse me, 60, 40, or even 55, 45. Disney is not going to be happy with that. So they probably, if you, and if you look at the script of specifically this one, we just read is a, pretty much a direct sequel to last Jedi. It's that, that is its role in that, in this whole thing. And then if you look at rise of Skywalker, it's not really, it's more of a wrap up of the entire saga. And in my opinion, I think that Kathleen Kennedy and Colin Trevorrow, it seems to me that they had issues probably after Last Jedi, not only with, with, with just Carrie Fisher, I think with Ray. I think there was issues with what they wanted to do with this because it seems to me that they wanted to continue the saga afterwards. And that's why Kylo Ren is kind of wrapped up like, okay, you're a bad guy, blah, blah, blah. Let's get him out of here. Because I think the it seems very evident to me that they wanted to continue to episode 10, 11, 12, pretty much maybe not. It just seems like they want to continue it right off the bat or pretty quick with this movie. And it doesn't really feel like with this script specifically that we read, doesn't feel like it finishes anything. It feels very much like it's just continuing on to the next thing. And it really, to me, it seems like that, the last Jedi, the, the 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 response to the last Jedi, it seems like Disney and Lucasfilm, the head honchos, anyway, they probably said, you know what, we got to re kind of regroup and kind of think about these things a little bit differently because Rise of Skywalker is so much different from a theme standpoint of what they're trying to what it's trying to do than compared to this script specifically. And then if you read the other things that Jason Ward brings up right before, um, in that Jack script. So if you look at that, you could say that potentially Colin Trevorrow had his ideas, didn't want to deviate. And then maybe Kathleen Kennedy said, if you don't deviate, you know, I, we got to move on. And he, maybe he even said like, yeah, we're done. Because if you think about it, JJ Abrams came on so last minute that he had to get rolling. I mean, there was like, there was no lag time. They had to keep going. And so to me, he may, did he get fired? I don't know. It remains to be seen if he did or didn't. But I'm going to assume it might have been a mutual parting of the ways. But I bet. Wait, Colin Trevorrow? I thought it was pretty confirmed that he got fired. Mm, it's yeah, that's I, what I always remember. I, 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 I think I'm just giving I'm giving him the benefit of the, of the doubt, if you will. Like I'm going to say, let's just say that they were having issues, and they both have said, you know what, let's just move on. And but either way, 
Yeah, but I if think... I if I read a script where Rose said, "You can tell me the odds, three PO. I like numbers. I would fire that person too." I, no, I agree. I agree. But my, my point is he obviously turned in other scripts and he they even had someone at one point write a script that he obviously didn't like. And he even went on online and said, we did not write. I did not write that. So here's my point. He already refuted something that pretty much that an, a, a very established Star Wars insider said that that was written by someone that Lucasfilm brought in to work with Colin. Colin refutes that script doesn't say that it's not legit. He just says that that's something, that's something that me and my partner Derek did not come up with. It is telling you that he rejected these things that Lucasfilm wanted him to do and was like, no, that's not what I wanted to do. And I feel that because of that, like there was probably a lot of pushback of what they wanted. And he's like, you know what? They're like, we can't deal with this anymore. And it's not just because he's a bad script writer or whatever. Probably because they wanted to take the story in a, in a much more basic direction or a, a basic direction of tying it back to the saga, much less to Last Jedi. And I think that to me is the biggest thing for me is, is takeaway. And I know a lot of people are going to say it's Last Jedi bashing. That's just pointing out, I think, the obvious to me. Because if you look well, at. No, cause, well, first of all, here's the thing I think that was maybe not well known, but like when he got fired, it it seemed to me like it definitely was just from like rumblings that we heard and stuff. Remember we heard like, I remember around that time we started hearing things from other people who had worked with him saying that he was kind of hot headed or very stubborn and, and whether it was actually confirmed or not, it basically was. Yeah. Like he's very set in his ways. And if Disney wanted to go a different direction, he maybe was pushing back against that or basically unwilling to play ball with the whole, you oh, know, Kathleen Kennedy and the okay. story group and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think that's, pretty accurate now whether it had to do with how much of the story was tying into the last jedi versus the saga as a whole i mean that might not have been all of it but yeah i, I think um you know it's not like kathleen kennedy it read one it. it's not like she read one draft and said this is a bad script you're out of here i think it was just you know there was input from other people yeah. saying we should push the story in a different direction or there's a different way we want to go with this and he said no i want to do my thing and it ended up that they just parted ways um, you know, and I think, and so I think that to me is, but I guess what I'm, I want to end it on for my thing and I'll, I'll stop here is I think that the intention was to always continue it, not have the saga end. And that to me is what this script and really, really tells us is that there's no real finale where of the Skywalker saga it's, and it almost feels like the Skywalker saga was meant to be the star Wars saga. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's with Ray Rando and all that jazz. It feels like that's what they were going with. Like, it wasn't going to be about, they were going to shift away from the family aspect and just be about, here's the main saga. The saga is the main uh, conflict of the galaxy, the, of the most powerful people of the Star Wars, if you will, if you take it from his terrible line from his script or whatever. Um, but, but you see what I'm saying? Like, I feel that that's yeah. what they were going. And then... It, I think after Last Jedi and getting the mixed reviews and going again, because Last Jedi definitely deviates from that. And a lot of people like that. A lot of people didn't. And because it wasn't like an over, you know, it wasn't a predominantly well-loved movie from a, you know, again, a mainstream standpoint. It was, again, mixed. I want to be very clear. People liked it. People loved it. People also hated it and didn't like it. So it's very, very mixed. And it feels like 
Disney definitely went, oh, wait a minute. We got to rework this whole thing. And they, I think, and honestly, I'm going to say it right now. They did the right thing, in my opinion. Because to me, Rise of Skywalker, the Star Wars, this saga is not the Star Wars saga. It is the Skywalker saga. And when we get other films down the line and other things and other other sagas that, that are tied to their own thing, the Skywalker saga will, will be, the fact that it's labeled that will make even more and better sense because of its greater context of the other things involved with it in Star Wars. And I think that to me, I'm so thankful now that JJ and Kathleen Kennedy, it seems to me that they they came up with this and said, we gotta bring it back to and essentially what George may have wanted. The George does George love JJ? Probably not. He probably does not like him. And I don't I don't want to get into that if you know George like hates sequel trilogy or whatever. I mean, let's be real. The, the moment they decided to not use uh, the details of his script or his ideas for sequel trilogy, he was going to hate these movies, whether they were good or not. And so that thrown out, take that out, even though that, uh, that out of the way, the fact that they try to make it more about the family aspect and, the, and, and, and also doing a different twist on it with the whole Ray taking the last name, to me, it just feels so much more in line with the saga. It may not be. Is it the was it the smoothest trilogy? No, but when you compare this with with the idea of going Ray Rando, having it be a more of a broader saga than a family saga or something along those lines, it to me like it, it's it's a night and day thing for me, and I'm so thankful that they went this route with Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, and I think there's some truth to what you're saying about originally wanting the star Wars saga quote unquote to continue with episodes 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 beyond to whatever, you know, the end of time or whatnot, because that name recognition is a big thing where if it does have that episode title in there and they know they can't stick with the Skywalkers forever, but it would still continue beyond that. So, but when last Jedi hit, we, as you detailed <laughs> accurately, Paul, the mixed reactions to it, they probably did have to rethink things a little bit. Maybe just felt it was best for the Skywalker saga to be the, the saga that encompasses the episodes one. And it'll end at nine for the time being, as we know, there's still debate about if we'll, we will get 10, 11 and 12 and movies beyond that, at least for the foreseeable future right now, this is going to be it. And I, we won't know for sure, I guess, but I do think it was probably something that, wasn't set from the outgoing when they were getting the sequel trilogy up and running that the Skywalker saga would end with nine. I think things kind of various circumstances probably led him to that decision for that direction to go towards. And it, at the end of the day, I think I'm okay with it. As we talked about before, we've had a lot of speculations and discussions about and debates, even as far as if that is the right decision, limiting it, the episodes to just nine and then doing movies elsewhere and not having the episodes in the title. So, but in the end, I think it works best for where we're at right now with star Wars and that the saga is complete. And as we made it known in our discussion about the duel of the fate script, definitely happy with the way it ended with the rise of Skywalker than what could have been. So um, I'll probably always be thankful for that regardless of, you know, even though rise of Skywalker had mixed reactions similar to the last Jedi, I, for one, just as, for me and my Star Wars fandom, I'm just totally satisfied with where things are at with the Skywalker saga now being it being what it is. Yeah, and for me, well, it's interesting. Some of the stuff that you guys were just talking about, um, as far as like 
maybe the shift in direction having to be with whether or not they were going to continue the Skywalker saga, because I don't feel like, like if you compare these two movies or these two stories, I should say, I mean, like I said, it's hard to tell just from this one draft of the script. Like we don't know what this would have actually been like as a movie, but if we compare to what we know with this to rise of Skywalker, to me, it doesn't really feel like one is any more definitive than the other as an ending. You know, you talk about like, oh, they yeah, left I, this I, one open-ended to try to continue it with 10, 11, 12. I feel like there's just as much room to build a 10, 11, 12 off of what we got with Rise of Skywalker. You don't see Rey training a bunch of kids at the end, but, you you know, you see her take the name Skywalker. She's got a new lightsaber. Um, she's clearly like that, at least to me, symbolizes like she's going to take up the torch and continue on the Jedi lineage. And we could definitely see another movie in, you know, set 10, 20 years in the future where she's training a new generation of Jedi or maybe she's a hermit in hiding now and somebody's already killed her whole next generation of Jedi. Who knows? Um, we definitely can. But I just felt the Rise of Skywalker just put a nice bow on the Skywalker saga, not the Star Wars saga as as something yeah. bigger than the Skywalkers. But just for the story we've gotten with this family for nine movies, it just put a nice bow wrapped around it. All the characters we were introduced to from episode one till nine of the actual Skywalker lineage by blood got their endings and we saw where their story went to but there, mm-hmm. we saw how their legacy continues through ray with her taking on the name which is a satisfying conclusion but at the same time still like you said got open for stories beyond episode nine but yet the full skywalker saga of that family has been told in those nine movies but yet its legacy is going to continue on through ray which is i think it's kind of a win-win for both scenarios where you have that wrap up for the family but yet it their story or their legacy will continue on exactly mm-hmm. that and again to me that's what makes the rise of skywalker so good because i feel that it, it really they did try to make everyone as happy as they could with ray because so many people had expectations on the character now i will go out i will say this that they made a mistake by putting a mystery box around her i feel that if they, yeah. if they didn't put the mystery box and they would have been more upfront with who she was whether it be ray skywalker ray rando ray palpatine ray whoever ray solo whatever whatever decision they wanted to make if they would have went out of their way to explain a little bit or give us more hints and have a little more concrete plan and not put it in a mystery box and maybe even be very obvious uh excuse me obvious about it I would probably be a lot more accepting of that. The, but the problem, you know, so regardless, a lot of by, people had, their- by the way, on that note, I was thinking of something the other day, Tim, you remember you and I used to talk about this a lot back in the day, like right after force awakens came out. And obviously we were speculating is Ray a Skywalker. Is she a solo. Is she nobody? Is she a Kenobi, a Palpatine, whatever. And that was like, the big question on everybody's minds. Remember there was that interview with Daisy Ridley and she was like, uh, when I read the script for the first time, it was pretty obvious to me who Ray's parents were. And, and we were like, but who is it though? Like, you know, it's like, there were so many things that made it seem like she was a Skywalker, but so many things that made it seem like she was a solo. Those were the two big ones that I always went back and forth between, or maybe she was going to be nobody, but I guarantee you Daisy Ridley did not read the script for, to the force awakens for the first te- time and go, Oh cool. I'm a Palpatine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's ex- for darn ex- sure. yeah. yeah. And, and I think that if she said in her, and again, I've seen people say, 
that even JJ said that acknowledged that she came from nowhere, blah, blah, blah. And that was the whole plan. It's like, no, dude, like that was John Campia thing. But I was like, no, you can't. He also said different things like, you know, like he basically left it open ended. That was his whole point is he wanted to make it as open ended as possible for whoever wanted to pick that up. And obviously, Ryan Johnson wanted to take the whole thing and make it, you know, and make it super meta and all this stuff. And, but regardless, is, you know, JJ and Chris Terrio and Kathleen Kennedy. And obviously it obviously wasn't just up to JJ and Chris Terrio. It wasn't like they came up with this and they said in Kathleen and, and Bob, and again, this is really crucial. Alan Horn and Bob Iger said, okay. They were like, no, let's sit down. Let's make sure we agree with this. And, you know, we're going to, you know, agree. This is all where we want to go because let's be honest after last Jedi, they probably, they probably were a little more looser on the films before that. And then after last Jedi, they went, hold on, we got to look at this and kind of overview it. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but I'm assuming they probably read over that script a little bit, or they went over the story a little bit more thoroughly than, you know, and I'm sure JJ had to pass it through Bob rather than him just doing whatever the heck he wants. Um, but that being said, I just feel that that JJ and Chris and and company tried their best to give everyone a little bit of something that that, that they could at least go. We got that. And even though like it's so funny, even though I see people who don't like the movie, I still them refer. I still see them reference the Ray the Raylo thing and them kissing. And then like again, you have the people like me who love the fact that you know and Tim that love the fact that she's going to continue to raise. Uh, the Skywalker uh, legacy with, with their name. And we get people who are maybe the whole Ray Rando thing, whatever, or not Ray Rando thing, but the whole idea, the, the whole idea of anyone can be a hero. The whole theme of, you know, be, you can be whatever you choose to be is very much in line with that. It's not exactly, she came from nothing and rose up. Oh, I just knocked over my Batman figures. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, you just get that like excited you, talking about star Wars. I do. I love Star Wars. You guys know this. Um, but it's it's not directly. She came from nothing and was nothing, and she rose from the ashes and was like, "Oh my God, there's something. Can you make yourself so powerful?" I, I understand it's not that directly, but it's very much in line. Again, I I think it's I think it's a better theme because, you know, yes, people who come from nothing can be anything, but that the, that's the whole point of you can be who you choose to be. You can you can be whatever you want to be and choose to be because. You want to do that. That's your desire. Your desire to be something, you know, greater than what you are, whether you come from, you know, poverty, middle class, rich, whatever. You can do whatever you want to do. You can be whatever you want to be, despite the things that are telling you, you have to do it like this. You have to do it like that. That is a theme that transcends something that's so specific, like, no, you have to come from nothing and, you know, and become something greater than that. No, no. That's great. That's a good, that's a good story, but that's more of a story, not a theme. The theme of be who you want to be, that's more of a generalized thing that can be universal for time, not just one type of people. Does that make sense? So to me, they, they tried to channel that, but make it a little more broad. And I appreciate that because again, they're taking the time to say, okay, let's give people what they want, which I saw people online on, on YouTube crying because Ray what didn't come from nothing. It was, it's a little, a little intense, but you know, again, that's fine. Wait, crying, like happy or sad. I'm sad, sure there, there were both. There were people who were really sad 
that like crying, like tears of, 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 of being sad that she wasn't a nobody and she, you know, whatever. And again, I, I don't want to diminish that, but I do want to say that I just, I feel they tried their best. And again, a lot of people will criticize not having a, a more of a concrete plan at this point, and, and with this film, I think they just did the best with, with what they could. And it just works for me. I know we're talking about Rise of Skywalker and, you know, sitting with it. But I, I've seen this movie seven, eight times. I forgot how many times I've seen it. I've seen it a lot. And I haven't seen it in a, a long time. And I've been, I, I miss it. I'll be honest. I cannot wait to get this movie when it comes out digitally, hopefully soon. It should be soon. And it'll probably be March, I imagine. Yeah, well, I keep well. There's there's the the rumor, or not rumors, but when the box set, the 4K box set was 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 uh, leaked before it even got out to. Oh yeah, that's right. It was it, it said March 31st. So, but then and that's when the Rise of Skywalker art of book is also coming out. That was before the art of book was even announced, or um, after the official announcement date. So, everything was pointing towards March 31st, and then I think uh, Star Wars Newsnet had had also mentioned that they said it was the digital was going to be on the 31st, but I'm thinking it's it digital might come out in March because it's been out for, you know, what three months at this point or, or yeah, or two, well, no, like two, two months. Yeah. It'll be three months in March. So, I mean, I'm not sure how, you know, how that works, but, but at any rate, I can't wait to watch this movie again and again and again. I really can't. I've, I've seen it. Is it a perfect movie? No, I know you have issues with, you know, how does the, you know, the, the final order and, and all this stuff work and they didn't know about it. I mean, yes, things get convoluted, but to me, yeah, but they, my issues aren't just with little logistic nitpicks of like how stuff happens. Like there's, I know, I know there's, I more. Know. there's, but, there's, a, and it's funny. Cause you talk about how you, you know, you think about it and like almost get nostalgic and you're like, man, I really want to watch this again. And I feel the same way sometimes, like honestly, because I haven't seen it in a while now. I mean, I say a while, it's probably been like a month, but um, and look, I saw this movie six times in theaters because there was so much about it that I did love and then so much to just process and take in. And um, but like I think about it now and I'll like I think about certain aspects of it and I'm like, man, I really want to watch that again. And then I think about other aspects of it and I'm like, eh, but do I, though? Um so. Just read the Duel of the Fates script again, and then you'll definitely watch all of it. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass on that. I will say I'm still very much looking forward to the novelization coming out. I'll probably – well, that's going to come out before the movie comes out on Blu-ray anyways. Um, but I definitely want to give that a read-through before I watch the movie again and then see if that helps like fill in any gaps for me. Yeah, and so to wrap up my my kind of Rise of Skywalker, again, a lot of pe people who listen to these shows and – follow me on Twitter already know that rise of Skywalker is my favorite Disney star Wars film. And I just, I'm really happy with what I got. And again, it's not a perfect movie, but none of the sequel trilogy films are perfect. Not even close. And I mean, honestly, very few star Wars films are perfect. Re Revenge of the Sith is my third favorite star Wars film of all time. And it's far from perfect. I love that movie to death. So being a perfect movie is very different than being it can you can have a favorite movie and, and not be and know it has a lot of imperfections and it's not perfect in many different levels but to me rise of skywalker wraps up the saga it also could potentially can lead into the other films later on another another trilogy and i love the fact that it's open-ended enough to where we can move on it's also closed-ended enough to where i can be happy with what we got so 
I'm in a really good, a really good place. I, I remember talking to my brother about this and he, he laughed at me and goes, I, you know, you told me you felt like you won the Super Bowl, and I just ne- didn't not I could not understand what you were talking about until I saw the movie and was like, oh, okay, I get it now. And and it's it's but it's funny. That's really what I felt like. I felt like I won the Super Bowl with Rise of Skywalker, and it's so funny to see. And it's funny in a bad way, to be honest, because the problem is that's where fan the fan base has kind of turned into a little bit. It's like, oh man, I, we dodged a bullet for this. And other people are like, oh, this is what I wanted. And, and it feels like it's pitting us against each other a little bit. And that's, that's unfortunate. And that's maybe just the, the times we live in at this point. I don't know, but that's what it certainly feels like. It feels like we're on opposite ends and this is like a sporting thing. And we're all kind of hoping one thing turns out a different way. And, and I happened to look out. I didn't look out the last time with Last Jedi, but yeah. with Rise of Skywalker, I really felt like I I won the Super Bowl, and I'm and it really did, did save the saga for me. It really did, and I'm happy with what I got, and I can't wait to watch it when it comes out. I'm gonna be watching this thing a lot. I mean, I can't wait. I totally agree with you on using the sport analogy because I feel the same way too. Where even before Rise of Skywalker came out, I was hoping that I'd be satisfied was what I was looking forward to and what I was hoping the movie would deliver on for the story and its characters. But at the same time, I knew if I was happy, it's going to upset a lot of people. <laughs> and it's kind of, like you said, the sports, like a Super Bowl game or game seven of the world series, someone's going home and their fan base really happy. The other side is going to be really disappointed. And that's how it was. And this almost can't compare it to games because that's, as you said, with the last Jedi, that was kind of the opposite effect for you. And some certain aspects when I first saw it for me, where we were on the losing side, but on this one, we come out on the winning side. And as you said, it's kind of a bad way to look at it, but it, it does ring true to how it felt like being a fan amongst this. And sadly, it's probably going to be like that going forward for most of this type of stuff. And it's just funny that you said that because I have something I thought about just going into the movie where there's going to be a lot of people happy and a lot of people upset. And that's exactly what happened. And kind of what you're going back to Disney and Lucasfilm wanting to make sure they got this one right and maybe look over the script more so than they did with The Last Jedi or just the story aspect and how they wanted to avoid this. But even though we, for you and me, Paul, just were really satisfied and happy where they took things, what they were probably wanting to avoid they didn't it's kind of the last jedi all over again just mm-hmm. with opposite sides having opposite reactions to it so it is a bummer but i just couldn't help but totally agree with that sports analogy because it really does feel that way sometimes when you look at it it is ironic to me too that like uh you know ray and kylo kiss at the end of the movie and yet the Raylos are some of the most outraged people at the the way things went in the movie um, but yeah, I don't know. It's funny to use that same sports analogy. I feel like I'm like stuck right in the middle. Like you're saying, you kind of feel like you're on a team. Like I hope this thing happens, even though I know that there are some people that don't want to see that happen. And so I'll be happy, but they'll be mad. And I didn't really feel that going into the movie. Like I wasn't really like predicting or hoping that certain things would happen. I was just trying to be as open-minded as possible and just hoping that they would bring a good conclusion to the trilogy and to the saga. And it's just so split down the middle for me. Like there's, I feel like I'm on the winning team and the losing team all at once. Like there's still, you know, stuff that I love about it and stuff that just bugs me. (laughs) 
It's um, the MLB All-Star Game 2002. It ended in a tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and nobody goes home happy. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's... Um, like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to reading the book. I'm hoping that that clears up some things, that it maybe adds some additional details to some things that I felt were lacking. Um, I kind of feel like maybe it's... It's hard to tell if this is with the movie itself or more just the marketing of it, but even the whole... Like, I feel like it's almost too focused on trying to wrap up the entire saga instead of just like, I mean, you were making that comparison, Paul, to saying that like Duel of the Fates was just a sequel to The Last Jedi. But I almost would have preferred it being just like a good sequel or a good just movie in its own right, or at least a good conclusion to this trilogy and not trying to bring in so many things from the entire saga. I mean is this really any more definitive of a conclusion to the saga than say return of the Jedi was it's like we defeated Palpatine. The good guys won. Everybody's happy. The story's over. Oh wait, no, there's more to the story. Now we defeated Palpatine for real this time. And now the story's actually over. Like, I don't know. I did to me. I didn't feel like a, a sense of, uh, like they, tr it's especially leading up to the movie, they tried to hype this up. Like, Oh, this has been 42 years in the making. And it's like, well, obviously, no, this has been more like eight years in the making since Disney bought Lucasfilm. I mean, this isn't it's not like George Lucas's movies were building to this the whole time. And I'm not trying to, like, invalidate the sequel trilogy or say that they don't count or anything. I'm just saying I feel like with this movie, they placed a little too much focus on trying to tie it into the entire saga and trying to. And obviously it was a thing to to get people back into the theater. Uh, you know, they were probably afraid that of the people that were going to boycott after the last Jedi and making it seem like, Oh, whether you love the prequels or the original trilogy or the sequels, like if you love star Wars, you got to see this. Cause this ties up the whole saga together. And it's like, I don't really care about that. I've got eight other movies that I love. Just give me another good one. It doesn't need to connect everything else that came before it. Um, I, you know, and I think that that's a valid <clears throat> criticism honestly because again that wasn't really stated at the beginning of the trilogy and i think if it was you'd be probably more accepting of it just like how i'd be more accepting of ray rando and or whatever and if this was instead of the skywalker saga this was a star wars saga and that's what their direction they're going into because again lucas and again lucas is notorious for changing his mind all over the place. And I don't want to say that this is a Lucas had this whole family thing from the very beginning, but that definitely was a heavy theme in all the things that he wrote before. And then it turned into that and he wanted to keep it that way. And that's what it was essentially from basically episode five or empire strikes back on. And he wanted to continue it that way. And it felt like, when JJ and Kathleen Kennedy took it over and they wanted to go their own direction, they wanted to go this certain route, but JJ was initially just a work for hired, meaning he just, he wasn't going to come in and develop a story. He was going to come in, do what he wanted to do, what he wanted to do and then leave and then let Ryan do his thing. And, it, and again, he probably laid out some ideas that he wanted. He thought the characters could go into. And then Ryan just did what he wanted to. And again, that's not a, a knock on Ryan because he was allowed to do what he wanted to do. And that was kind of one of the reasons why he probably took the the job for making lots of money. And also was like, hey, I get to do what I want to do on Star Wars. Like, I have complete pretty much freedom. And so 
with with that, you you kind of sacrifice the the whole dynamic of where where the the direction of the story is going, and the whole mystery box of JJ opening it up. Imagine if Ryan Johnson was the one opening it up. I mean, I'm, well, he did open it up, and and again, no, this no, no, is, no, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the opening it up of the the whole like the whole trilogy like oh he, like starting it from the beginning yeah 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 no I, I was gonna say you talk about the whole mystery box thing and it's like jj set the mystery box in force awakens then last jedi ryan comes in and goes hmm i wonder what's in this box oh look raise a no one and then jj like pushes him out of the way and goes no 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 that's not what's in the box look palpatine yeah which is much better <laughs> but anyway the thing is the, i'm just kidding um mostly but it, honestly if they would start it with Ryan first, let's say, with, and he kind of established that Ray's a noble one, and they kind of decided at that point, like, we're going to make this more about the 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 state of the galaxy saga, the Star Wars saga, instead of a family saga, and this is the, the direction we're going to take it, I would probably be not happy for a long time. And then I, but with seeing the trailers and, and knowing that's kind of the direction they're going and then seeing the episode seven or that version of episode seven, I probably would have a lot more of accepting um, of the film by that point, because I would have understood where they're going. I would have seen what, you know, from the very beginning of what they wanted to do, what they wanted to do. I just would have probably been more on board with the idea. But again, by giving us something that's not clear cut, you kind of start making your own speculation, et cetera, et cetera. You kind of just, you get kind of, you can, you get your own ideas and things like that. And, and not just me, but everyone did. And I think that with that, it just, with, with the whole idea of going back to the whole saga thing, like what I'm trying to make my point here is that for you and a lot of people, it definitely felt awkward because it wanted to wrap up that saga because it wanted to tell people Listen, the previous films, the previous continuity, everything, we understand that's still that's the nostalgia, basically. Essentially, it's what it comes down to is the nostalgia. The nostalgia you want to get from Star Wars right now, we're still delivering that. Ryan Johnson didn't deliver the nostalgia as much as I think that people wanted. And, and again, I don't think that's a bad thing either because there's some. I, I kind of like the idea that he went the opposite route of nostalgia because he wanted to push it different directions. Now, Again, don't agree with everything he did, but the, the point is that with Ryan, with, with JJ, he went all nostalgia, and then you have J Ryan, he went the opposite of nostalgia, mm -hmm. and then they said, "Wait a minute, the, the people go see Star Wars saga films, you know, for the Skywalkers." I mean, that's what that's what the Star Wars saga was. It's about a family, and I think that, and again, because of that reason of the nostalgia factor was kind of like. I think Disney wanted to go back to that. They're so afraid of alienating even more people. And, and the, and, and again, this is the, this was star Wars was the only thing we, and the reason they called it the star Wars saga is because it was the only saga we had. And now with all these other films and the Mandalorian and all these different things, I was telling a friend this on Twitter the other day, the Skywalker saga, they started marketing it as a Skywalker saga, like outwardly on when JJ took over because that's what it is. This is about a family. And I think that to me was the reason why that, or not reason, but it makes sense to me. And I, and I, I can buy into the fact that it's not a direct sequel to the last Jedi. And it's not just because I don't, I don't love the last Jedi as much as other star Wars films. It really is because 
it tries to really entrench of what makes Star Wars this uh, excuse me the Star Wars saga Skywalker saga so special is how in you know how rich it is in the stories that we've gotten and I think to me that's ultimately what needs to be in in that movie and especially with if you look at the Force Awakens that's essentially what it's based in it's based in it's rooted in nostalgia and it probably should have continued that throughout the whole thing but ultimately we did and I, again i feel if we would have if we would have either started with ryan johnson's ideas from episode seven on we probably we i think people would be more on board at this point with everything but i also feel like if for you, Kyle, and people like you, if JJ's ideas start from episode seven into episode eight more, like they went more of a nostalgia route rather than the Ryan Johnson, let's be mega meta and uproot everything route, then I think you pro- probably you probably would be more accepting of Rise of Skywalker. Does that make any sense? Well, yeah. And I mean, I've said this before and I don't need to go into the whole thing again, but like my biggest criticism with the whole trilogy is just the lack of planning overall and the 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 way you can feel the shift in tone and direction between directors between the movies even the, you know the original trilogy you had three different directors for each movie but the stories all came from George um and i think the sequel trilogy needed that at least somebody guiding the stories for each movie if not directing all three of the movies and i wish ryan and jj had each gotten their own trilogy rather than having to split one up and try to inject their own ideas into it and stuff um because I think it ends up just feeling not as strong as it could have. I think, I mean, look, I love The Force Awakens. I love The Last Jedi. And I appreciate a lot of what they tried to do in Rise of Skywalker. I'm glad you guys love it as much as they, as you do. I certainly don't, like, view it as a failure or anything like that. Um, but I just think, you know, so I, I like what each of those guys was able to do with their movies. And I think if they had been able to direct a whole trilogy on their own... Um, you know, a whole a whole trilogy in the vein of Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker and not having to course correct for The Last Jedi in the middle of it and then a, a whole trilogy of Ryan Johnson and his ideas, um, I think would have worked out a lot better than, than what we got. Agreed, um, 100%. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there because, you know, at the end of the day, we've got what we've got. Um, love it or hate it. All I know is I'm freaking excited for some Clone Wars. Um and you know, Wait, and, we have, what, 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 don't forget Tim. He's got to give his final thoughts. Oh, and, and I'm not trying to get off of this. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm kind of bringing oh, it back okay. to the point that even if you don't like one of the movies, or you know, whether you love the sequel trilogy or you hate it, or you're somewhere in the middle, like that's not the be all end all. Like we, it's just great that we're yeah. getting so much more Star Wars content nowadays. Um, but so, I'll, I'll be, and I'll be honest though, like I also, if if I didn't like Episode Nine, I don't know where I'd be, to be quite honest. That, that well, is scary to think about. You'd, you'd be you'd, holding therapy sessions for you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> or you'd be with me going, eh, it is what it is. I'm happy Clone Wars is coming out. And I'm glad I've got Mandalorian and Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, but I, I know what you're saying there, Paul, where if it was such a total disappointment for something as big as it was built up to be the final installment of the Skywalker saga, how if it wasn't satisfying for you how you know it would take a while to get over that and come to terms with how it is but at the same time too it's nothing to where i would ever feel if i was disappointed with it or duel the fates of was the movie we got and i would be disappointed with that 
it wouldn't affect how I feel about Star Wars as a whole. And to me, that's just the most important thing where yeah. Star Wars is so much bigger now mm-hmm. than just these movies, even though it is the focus and the most important part of the Star Wars saga as a whole. There's just so much more as it's growing and we're getting more stories and characters that are just living up to the legacy that the original movies created and spawned off. And it's just, to me, such a waste of energy to be focusing on that disappointment for so long or just keep harking back to it. Yeah, the initial disappointment you may have with it is understandable, but this one, if to me, it's just hard to not to fathom to be a diehard Star Wars fan and just not look forward to what's on the horizon and, and the other stuff you enjoyed for what we've gotten in the past, despite some stuff you might have disliked or even just downright hated. Because to me, that's where your Star Wars fandom really shines. It's, or not your fandom, but just your love for the stories and the Star Wars as a whole for the possibilities of what can come even beyond some disappointments. And that's why I'm just always so thankful in this era that we're in right now for Star Wars, where you're disappointed with some boars on the horizon to be excited about. And we already got a great back catalog of Star Wars content when you throw in the TV series now with Mandalorian, but you got six soon to be seven seasons of Clone Wars, four seasons of Rebels, two of Star Wars Resistance, some video games. So there's tons of stuff. But when it just comes for me to the Rise of Skywalker and just how I'm feeling about it now, being two months removed from it, I'm going to echo what kind of you guys were saying, how I was I saw it five times and I felt that was enough for the theatrical experience of seeing it. But I'm getting that itch again. <laughs> I'm ready to see it. But at the same time, it's kind of good to have that little gap, I feel, between your last time seeing it in the movie to the home release because it just builds that excitement again. It's not going to be quite at the level to when you're going to see in the theater for the first time on opening night, but you just get that urge and that desire to see it again, and that builds the excitement to make you really start anticipating that release date from when we're going to be able to watch it again at home, and I just can't wait for that. So once it comes out, it's going to be great experience again. And I say this for every Star Wars movie, but it's true. The more I see a movie, the more I just come to appreciate and love the things that I already love about it, but just how it's going to fit in the overall scheme of the saga, the way you can look back at other movies that came before it and how one affects the other and maybe enhances certain elements, characters, story points. I got that with Rise of Skywalker, and it's going to continue as I watch it more and more when it comes out on Blu-ray and just really appreciate it. I think, cause I think there's really some special moments in there. And as we continue to talk about it, we're, whether we do it on our eventual commentary, we'll do for it and bring out some of those special moments. But I really do think some truly great Star Wars moments are in there for these characters and to where it all began with The Force Awakens, speaking specifically for the new trilogy characters, just the arcs they went on. And some of the big moments that they have in this movie just felt really fulfilling and satisfying as this wrapped up their story. So, yeah, I'm just, at, I guess you could say definitely at peace <laughs> with what episode nine brought me, despite some nitpicks I do have. And again, I can get it. We can get into further discussions on certain key moments in the movie and just have hour long discussion about those, <laughs> whether it worked and how it could have been better. But Regardless of some of those issues I still have with it, just overall the things I love about it just outweigh them so much after seeing it five times. And just even thinking about it, going through more of the supplementary books that come out for it just makes me appreciate how much I did like the direction they took things. And 
just where Star Wars is at right now. It's just the only sad thing about it is that not everyone feels that way, <laughs> where yeah. you're just satisfied where where Star Wars is at as the saga, the Skywalker saga particularly, and then where things are gonna go from here. So, so not the perfect scenario for how I wish the events surrounding Episode Nine turned out, but I can only speak for my personal opinions as a Star Wars fan, and I'm just at least glad to say that it left me very satisfied and that I am just happy where I'm at with now with the Star Wars saga as a whole and just can't wait to see where it moves on from this because it is going to be something totally different as we've been talking about, whether it's more on TV or the new movies going back hundreds of years before episode one. So it is going to be some different stuff coming down the pipeline for Star Wars, but bring it on because I am more than satisfied with what we got before and it just makes me more excited for what's to come. Well said. Yeah, definitely well said. And I mean, despite, I feel like despite our differences in opinion on the rise of Skywalker, I feel pretty much the same still about star Wars as a whole. Um, just excited for all the cool stuff we're getting right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun to, uh, <laughs> fun to talk about the duel of the fate script. Um, and, uh, you know, just revisit some of our thoughts on um, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, before we wrap up, um, I know we've got a poll to go over from our last episode. Um, Tim, you mind if I just take this one since I was the one that posted it this time? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's usually, you know, when you guys see polls and questions and stuff on our Twitter, it's usually from Tim. But I went ahead and jumped on this one. Because um, we talked about this on our last episode, talking about potential future animated series and other stories that we could see now that uh, Resistance is done and the sequel trilogy is done. So we said, what story would you want to see told in the next Star Wars animated series? And the options on the poll were uh, Sabine and Ahsoka finding Ezra. So basically, you know, a sequel to Rebels, uh, Luke's Jedi Academy, Rey, Finn and Poe after, Return after uh, the Rise of Skywalker or something else. Um, and actually in last place, we had a tie. So the post Rise of Skywalker series with Ray, Finn and Poe or something else, both had an identical amount of votes with 11.4%. Um, and, <laughs> and then, uh, 33, was... sorry, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Well, and then, uh, 33.3% of you, uh, wanted to see the Sabine, Ahsoka and Ezra series. And then the winner with 43.8% was Luke's Jedi Academy, which is the one I picked. Um, and honestly, like I said, I would love to see all of those stories and I hope we get, you know, some stories set in all of those time periods with all of those characters at some point. But now that the sequel trilogy is over, I would really like to see them go back and explore some of that unexplored material in between episodes six and seven. And there's a lot of great Luke Skywalker content in there that I think we could get. So I would love I don't, to see, see something with I don't know, because if you look at the Rise of uh, Kylo Ren comic, it kind of tells you like what kind of there's not really there's stories to tell, but to me, it's like they're really narrowing it down to where there's not much. There's not, there's not much happens. And then yeah, but also, how, you could have said the same thing about the Clone Wars, though. Like how many like, you know, if you had said, oh, they're going to have seven seasons. Of that's series where you're wrong. In between episodes two and three, you would have thought, oh, it's just clone that's, troopers. No, no, and no, no Jedi that's fighting. where you're wrong, because I know between episodes two and three, that's when the, the Clone Wars happened. So there have to be like lots of amazing battles that happen. Whereas with this, it's, it's 
I mean, right, again, but it's not just the amazing battles. I'm talking about stuff like Night Sisters and Darth Maul coming back. There's so much stuff that you know, so many sure. great stories that we got that we never would have thought possible in that. Maybe time some period. of those things, yes. But here's the here's the one thing. I'm just gonna say this once, and I'll be done. Is that the future is not Luke Skywalker in the Jedi Academy trilogy because you know what happens and you know that like those characters are all gonna die from Kylo Ren and, and whatever. No, I know we know that all the Jedi yeah, in the Clone Wars are right, gonna die right. from Order sixty six. But but you, but the difference is you have established characters that you can still do things and, and you've already established them and you could sell them even more to an audience that you need to build off of. And that's where I think that, in my opinion, that Disney and Lucasfilm are going to be letting these characters rot, essentially, like Ray, Finn, and Poe. They're going to rot and wait and wait and wait and not use them or have Del Rey write some mediocre story about them where they'll be like, like Rise of Resistance or whatever the heck that stupid book is. And not a fan of that book. Sorry. And it just, I'm just a little frustrated. Not at you, Kyle, obviously, but just frustrated at the fact that, like, it just, I, I fear for these characters that they're just going to rot until. 15, 10 years from now and they go, Oh, let's make a movie about these characters. And, and when, when, when basically when the actors are like, Oh yeah, we need to, we need to revitalize our careers or whatever, which I hope that doesn't happen for them, but it's what it feels like. And I just don't want it to happen. I want to have more stories with these characters. I like these characters and it just sucks because I feel like we're not going to get it and they're not going to want to continue these stories because Lucasfilm's going to be afraid to tell more stories, but we don't want to tell anything. It's like, I feel like there's a really easy way to get around that, but it's just, it's, it sucks because they're there and I feel like they're going to rot for a long time, but that's just my opinion. So I, I disagree. Well, I mean, even if we don't get stories with them right away, I think you're not the only one that cares about those characters. I think there are, I know and, 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 and I'm just, I'm not saying that like, like if the, I'm, I guess I'm saying if they move on to something else, it's not because people don't care about those characters. And even if we don't get a new story with them right away or a new series or whatever, that doesn't mean that they're never going to come back to it. And it doesn't mean that the interest in them is going to diminish. I mean, we're still talking about Luke and Leia and Han 40 years later. And I think, but it, right. But remember, so, but remember why did, why did the Clone Wars happen? Tell me this. Why did the Clone Wars happen? Did fans demand the Clone Wars? No. no George, George, Lu yeah, George Lucas willed it into action. And and therefore, because he wanted to tell a story, he told he, or he wanted to continue things, and he had ideas for it, and he fleshed them out with other people, and other people brought their ideas in. We have the amazing Clone Wars. My point is this, is that if, you know, if Luke has a training cameo or, or whatever, or any one of those ideas are coming into it and they're saying, here's ideas, let's do this, whatever, that'd be awesome. The problem is, is Disney is going to do things more calculated. And that's where I'm coming at it from. And it sucks because I just feel that, that again, I just, Clone Wars only happened because George willed it. He, it wasn't like we were all saying we wanted more Star Wars in general, and it's not like people were saying, we want more prequels. They People wanted more Star Wars. In fact, people probably, like me, myself, I was one of the people saying, why are you doing the Clone Wars, George? I don't care about the Clone Wars. You've already told me this stuff. I don't care. And I ended up loving it. Now, that's why I'm always one of the biggest you know, opponents of, I didn't ask for this. Now, I'm saying this only because George created the, the Clone Wars because he wanted to. And I just don't know if Luke's Academy and all that stuff is something that Disney wants to do with the sequel trilogy and go that direction. And that's where I'm saying, I just don't, it doesn't feel like 
that's something they're ever going to go down. Whereas it feels well, like maybe they won't. Eventually gonna... I mean, this was well, just obviously to see what. Well, well, well no, no, no. I, I get it. I get it. But what I'm saying is, it's just it's weird to me that it's like it's just weird to me that again, we, there's so much more to tell on rape Finn and Poe, and it's like I just I do fear that they're it's they're just gonna lay waste, man. I just fear that. Well, I really do. I think it all is gonna depend on at least to a degree, how much how much continuing interest there is and how much, you know, they think that people want to see those characters. Now, you're right. Clone Wars happened not because people loved the prequels, but because George felt like he had more stories in that time period that he wanted to tell and he made it happen. But why is season seven of Clone Wars coming back? Because George yeah. told those stories, yeah. people loved it and they wanted more of it. So if people want yeah. more of Ray Finn and Poe and there's enough demand for it, I think eventually we'll get it. I hope so. And, you know, it, it really, the next, it's it's going to be fascinating, guys, because the next three years are really going to be a defining moment for Star Wars and in a sense to where, where Star Wars goes, because they're kind of direct, they're kind of like a ship without a rudder right now. Mm-hmm. They've got the Mandalorian, which is obviously phenomenal. We all love the Mandalorian. They're finishing up Clone Wars. They've got other animated series in the works, it seems like. And with all that being said, but the overall main story of what you know is going to get fan base kind of all excited about, besides Mandalorian and films, it remains to be seen. And I think it's really fascinating because we've got a you know, funny enough, guys, we have we're all getting together this weekend to go to Galaxy's Edge, but we also have a, a giant announcement about Project Luminous that's happening on Monday. So oh, I forgot like, about that. Yeah, and and we and we already kind of know that's what that's going to be. It's going to be the High Republic. It's going to be books and comics all coming together. And I was hoping for a film announcement, but that sounds like that's not going to happen. But regardless, is you're right, Kyle. What fans are going, you know, fans are getting what they wanted. We a lot of us wanted Boba Fett stuff. Not everyone wanted Boba Fett, but they got we got the Mandalorian or something like that. Like so, we got and everyone loves that, or not everyone, but a lot of people like that. We were getting we want we all wanted uh, Obi Wan Kenobi spinoff some of some sort and mm-hmm. we're getting that and so we all wanted Clone Wars to come back and we're getting that now again a lot of these things are are we're getting is because they need to tell we have Disney Plus and that's a big reason why we're getting a lot of these stories but my, your point remains and I've always said this my, I've always said this myself that fans when fans are want something that Disney especially Disney. They're going to give it to us. Lucas is not necessarily was going to do that. He's going to do what he wanted to do. And I, I both liked and disliked that at times in, in my life. But that being said, these next three years are very interesting because if let's say Project Luminous in the High Republic stuff just is not successful. And the Mandalorian starts kind of dwindling after season two, which I don't think is going to happen. But just hypothetically say, you know, and then let's say, you know, these next animated series are like Resistance and they just don't go anywhere. Where where do they go? I mean, it's it really does where do they, you know it puts Star Wars in a very unique situation. I don't think that's going to happen, and I'm not rooting against it to happen. I'm just saying it's it's very interesting where Star Wars is going to go in three years because there's a lot of things they're trying they're going to be trying to do differently, and how that how fans respond to that will dictate where they go and where their focus is going forward. So if you want more animated series. Watch the heck out of that Clone Wars. You want more television series? You better watch the heck out of the Mandalorian and every TV show, live action TV show they have. You want more films? You better go support Phil's films and preach the high heavens. 
to people to go, people to go see him. You want more books and comic books? You better buy as many variants and book variants and for people and as much as you can to support that because that's what the almighty dollar is what's going to be telling Disney and Lucasfilm what to focus on. And and not just that, but you know why you're buying it when you talk about it online. So the more you talk about it, the more you buy it, the more you it creates a positive buzz the more Disney's going to want to invest in what you're and what everyone is talking about. And that's why the Mandalorian is such a big deal. And that's what, that's why Bob Iger is saying, Hey guys, we, you know, we're, we're going to offshoot from the Mandalorian, you know, television series and his, and his investor call. It's because everyone's watching it and everyone loves it. And, every, and he knows that and it's a buzz and everything. So there's a lot, to, there's a lot to go on and it's, it's going to be a really interesting next three years. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's with the end of the the saga now, it's it's wide open as far as where they could go from here. And I'm definitely excited to see. I mean, this is going to be a big year just as far as announcements and kind of seeing where those first steps in those new directions are going to be. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're totally right about like, just vote with your wallets. Like they're, they're going to try some different things, see what's successful, and they're going to hopefully go with what the fans like. So um, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully they've got some good stuff planned for us. Um, but that is just about going to do it for this episode. Um, thank you to everyone for tuning in as always, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at star Wars TSC. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash star Wars. The saga continues. You can check out our website at star Wars TSC.com and you can send us email at star Wars TSC at gmail.com. Um, we will be back hopefully in not too long, you know, maybe next week sometime, uh, with what will probably be a huge episode because we're going to be back from galaxy's edge and obviously going to have a lot to talk about with that. Uh, we'll have the premiere of clone wars to talk about, and then we'll have the project luminous announcement to talk about. So, uh, we may might even have to split that into two, but we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, obviously lots of cool star Wars stuff to keep talking about into the future and for the rest of this year. So Uh, Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, We will see you all next time, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, Rebels.